What is the lifetime value that you offer to your clients for the work that you do? How can you create conversations around that lifetime value to your ideal client? And do you feel comfortable to bring that into your sales call? Because if you can bring that into your sales call, you'll drive up the desire, you'll drive up the value perception, and you'll drive down the risk of you getting an objection. This is the Building Online Sales Success Podcast, helping you to build, market, and sell your offers online. I'm Rachel Howarth, and I'll be sharing the strategies that are allowing me and my clients to create online success without using the icky, awkward tactics that you have been trying to avoid. Sales can be easy, not sleazy. And in this show, you'll get to see behind the curtain and discover the sales secrets that will create the impact, income, and freedom that you've been dreaming of. It's time to stop doubting yourself and start creating the business that you truly deserve. Have you ever jumped onto a sales call really excited, completely in the belief that it was going to be an easy call, that you and the client were already very well aligned and that there wouldn't be any problems raised on the call? But when you get on the call, you get a sales objection and they always feel difficult, don't they? Well, that is what we're going to be talking about in this episode. I'm going to be giving you some tips to overcome sales objections, but more importantly, to avoid them in the first place. Because the thing with sales objections is it's very easy for it to feel defensive. Sales objections feel like rejection or obstruction. They feel like the customer is saying, no, I don't like you. And actually, that isn't what's going on there. There's a lot of psychology involved in sales, particularly in sales objections. And the minute as a seller we get an objection, we tend to reply with yes, but. And actually what we need to reply with is yes, and. Because sales and coaching are the same thing. They are about making empowered decisions and taking empowered action. And so what we're going to cover in this episode is how to create that empowerment without the feeling of being defensive or like you're trying to convince somebody to move forward or persuade them to buy from you. Because really, you should never want the outcome more than they do. If you want the sale more than they want to buy from you, something's wrong. That is likely to be a customer that's more difficult to deal with, maybe somebody that won't fully commit to the actions, maybe somebody that won't take complete ownership. And you don't really want that because they're not the clients that are going to do really, really well, get great results, give great testimonials and want to stay with you and work with you in longer term programs. So the first tip that I've got for you happens before the sales call even begins. And this is where the call is booked. So it might be that you're using a scheduling system like Calendly or Acuity or one of the other scheduling systems. Now, in those systems, you have the opportunity to ask some pre-call questions. So before somebody hops onto a discovery call, 
clarity call, breakthrough call, whatever it is that you call your sales call. There's there's a lot of calls in there. Whatever it is you call them, usually we would give the, um, the ownership to the ideal client to make a booking in the diary. And at the point where they find that slot in the diary, that convenient slot for them, we have the opportunity to ask them some questions. Now, what I totally do understand is that if you're at the start of your coaching business, then you don't really want to put barriers in the way. I totally understand that mindset because I've been where you are. When you're starting out, you want to have a call with everybody. You want to get to know everybody. You want to hear everybody's problems and challenges because it's going to help you to really develop your programs and really get under the skin of your ideal client. So if you're starting out, then you might want to have less questions or less um, less obstructive or qualifying questions in your Calendly scheduling system. But when you're a little bit further on in your coaching business and your time is a bit more precious, you understand your ideal client in much, much more detail, then you might want to consider adding some questions in the scheduling tool that allow you to qualify in and qualify out who the best fit clients are. So let me explain what I mean by that. So when you're starting out, of course, you want to jump on a call with everybody and you might do a half an hour sales call. And in that half an hour, you want to be asking lots of questions about where they're at and why did they choose you to book a call with? And why now? What's the urgency? What's the impact of the result that they're looking to create? You want to get to know the answers to all of those things. And of course, if you can you know, uh, recommend one of your programs, what your one-to-one, your group, your course, whatever it is that you are offering. If you can recommend that and that you are a good fit with that client, then fantastic. But at the beginning, you might just put some of those calls down to research. You might just put some of those calls down to exploring relationships and really getting an understanding of who your ideal client is. But if you're a little bit further forward in your business and you understand your ideal client much, much more, you will understand who you want to work with, but also who you don't want to work with. So you need those pre-call questions to act as a qualifier to help you to know who you should and shouldn't be spending your time with. And also from the customer's point of view, they want to know that they're a good fit with you too. And so in the pre-call questions, it's a good idea to ask things like, where are you at in your business right now? You know, what's exciting for you in your business right now? What's challenging for you in your business right now? Because you want to get an insight into where they're at. You might also want to ask, at what price point service do they sell? For example, if you're a high ticket coach and your minimum investment is $10,000 to work with you and you get somebody booking a call that sells $97 online courses and that's all they sell, you're going to have to help them sell an awful lot of courses before they get a good return on investment. Not saying that that's not possible, but it's more unlikely than if somebody is selling programs of $3,000 and and up of that. Because if your minimum investment is $10,000, you need to know that you're going to be able to get them a really good return on investment. Otherwise, what's the point? People are not going to invest with us if they're not going to get at least their money back plus a two, three, four times return. 
So if you want to know where I draw the line, I draw the line at three times. My um, my integrity radar is always up looking for proof, evidence for myself that I can help somebody get a three times return on investment. And if I can't help somebody get a three times return on investment, then I would be the first one to say that they shouldn't work with me, that they should go and find a different coach or they should think about a different solution, maybe... Um, some self-led learning, for example, if their price point is that low. So that's a great example of some questions that you could ask before the call that would save you and the client some time. You could still give them a referral to maybe a different coach, but you aren't going to know to do any of those things if you haven't asked the question up front. So you might want to ask, what products and services do you sell? And at what price point do you sell at? Um, You might also want to ask, have you ever worked with a coach before? You might also want to ask, if we're a good fit, are you ready to move forward? You might also think that it's beneficial to give a price point of your service. So in my pre-call questions, I make it clear to the people that want to book those calls that the services start at $27 for a self-led online course and they go all the way up to $5,000 for my one-to-one. And so if somebody can't get can't get in line with those prices, then they immediately know I'm not the coach for them. Now, if of course they go ahead and they book the call anyway, then I know and they know that we have a chance of being a good fit for each other. Now, often people book calls when they're already aware of you. You might have already been having conversations in the DMs. You might already be in communication with this person. And so they might already have a rough idea of of what your services are. And therefore, the discovery call is is a bit like a... um, you know, like that final piece of the puzzle for them to just take that empowered action and say yes. So coming back to the point of this episode, which was to help you overcome objections, what I first want to do is help you to avoid objections. And having those pre-call questions in place can really, really help you to mitigate the chance of you spending time on a call with the wrong person. And it can help you to understand enough about somebody before the call that you haven't then got to waste time in the call, digging into some of the basics of the information. And of course, if somebody can't be bothered to give you enough detail in those pre-call questions for you to understand them, if they can't be bothered to do that, then they're certainly not going to be bothered to be accountable and take ownership and um, move forward in your coaching program in a way that you would want for them. So let's get into these objections, you know, like the common objections. In all of my time in sales, and that is a long time of being in sales 25 years I led a big corporate team. We um, we invoice revenues of a hundred million a year. I've sold a lot of stuff. <laughs> I've sold to some of the most difficult people to sell to. We were selling to car dealers in the automotive industry, and they were really, really tricky. And in all of my time in sales, you know, I've sold data, I've sold advertising, I've sold digital marketing. In all of my time, objections fall into one of three camps. The first is suitability, suitability of your service, your of your product. The second is timing, is now the right time? And the third is money. And underneath the money objection, you either get money as in the actual pounds, pence, you know, dollars, cents, 
do I have the money in the bank, you know, um, the actual physical money, or you have value, which is not about real money. That's about a feeling. That's about a value perception. And you'll hear me in a later episode talk about value proposition and how to get really, really clear on your value proposition, because actually that is what people are buying. They're buying your value proposition. Do you represent good value? So those three objections of suitability, timing and money, what we need to do to avoid getting those objections is first of all, ask questions in your sales call about each of those topics. Now, what tends to happen As sellers, we're really good talking about our products and services. So the suitability objection is the one that's least likely to arise because we ask questions about what the person is looking for, what your ideal client wants out of a coach, what kind of program they're looking for, what result they want, why they want it, why that's important. On the sales call, we should be asking all of those questions and we should be really being very curious about why the person's booked a call now. Why have they booked it with you? Why is the result that they're looking for really, really important? So we can understand the suitability of what they're looking for versus what we're selling. Is it aligned? Are we going to be able to deliver the the result that they want? If yes, we move ahead with the call. If no, then we would politely say, actually, you're looking for solution X and I'm delivering solution Y. So I'm not sure that we're a good fit. Let me recommend you somewhere else that you could, you know, somebody else that you could speak to. So suitability is usually not one of the most common objections because what happens is when we are a good fit, when they say, well, I'm looking for solution X and we say, well, we're selling solution X. Brilliant. We get excited they get excited and we hope then to close the sale. Now, this is where objections come in, because if we try to close the sale after asking questions about suitability only, and we don't go on to ask questions about timing and money, then the most common objections are in timing and money. What happens is we think, oh my God, this is really great. We're selling something that's totally suitable for what they're looking for. Amazing. Let's try and close the sale. And then the customer says, oh no, hang on a minute. I'm not sure it's the right time. Or hang on a minute. I haven't got the money. Or hang on a minute. I need to get the money from somewhere. Or I need to talk to my partner about the money. Or I'm not sure that I'm going to get the result that you say I'm going to get. I haven't got enough belief and trust in myself yet to move forward. So all of those objections come up because we haven't asked enough questions about them. So the key to avoiding objections is to ask the questions about timing and money. So when we find out what result they're looking for, what I would recommend that you do is you ask the question, when are you looking to achieve that result by? Have you set yourself a goal, a date, a deadline? And if you meet that deadline, what is the significance of that? And what happens if that deadline passes? What happens if you say, I need to have achieved that by the end of March and you roll into April with it still not achieved? What's the impact of that? What happens if nothing happens? You know, because you need to understand that. So make sure that you're not um, forgetting to ask those questions about timing, because when your ideal client says to you, I need to get this done, Rachel, by the end of March. And that is a really significant date because of these reasons. Yeah, A, B, C reasons, whatever they are. When they say that to you, what happens is 
They then take ownership of that answer. You've heard that answer. They can't then bring that answer back and give it to you as an objection. When you tell them about the program and you invite them to work with you, they can't then say, oh, well, now's not a very good time because you can then say, but I thought we were going to get this done by the end of March. That's what we agreed was the deadline and that that was a significant deadline because of these reasons. Do you mind me asking what's changed? So if you are not asking those questions about timing, it means that we lose the ability to tackle and overcome that objection because we won't have the knowledge. We won't have the understanding that we need to have to overcome the timing objection. Okay, so I totally recommend for you, if you haven't been writing this down, this is something that you must write down. Make sure that on every sales call that you go on, that you ask about what result they're looking for, but you then ask when do you need it by? And what is the significance of that date? Okay. So that is a huge tip for you. Honestly, it will change the game. Even if I stop the podcast here, that is a juicy golden nugget of wisdom that I know will increase your sales call conversion rate. Okay. But I've got more for you. I have got more. Do not fear. So let's move into the money objection because I know that's the one that you struggle with the most. Most people struggle with that one the most because it's the toughest. Money is a very emotive subject. We feel all sorts of gremlins and judgments about money. You know, we um, got a couple of friends who are coaches who work in the money mindset space. It's a really big deal. We carry the hangups with us that we've learned about money all the way from childhood If we grew up in a family where money was scarce, guess what? In our adult lives, we feel that money is scarce and therefore we don't have a particularly good relationship with it. So we must make sure in the sales call to mitigate the objection around money and value. We must ask the questions around money and value. We must get curious about money and value because when we have that open, honest discussion with the person on the sales call with us, then we can help them take that empowered action. We can help them move forward, say yes to themselves, get excited for themselves. Investing in personal development shouldn't be something that feels difficult. It's really exciting, but equally, it can be very nerve wracking for some people if they haven't done that before, particularly if it's a high ticket coaching program. So, Some of the questions that you would need to ask around money and value would be, you know, um, based on the return on investment. Let's tackle that one first. What kind of a result are you looking for? And then what is that worth to you? Okay, so you, you were already probably in the start of the call. Ask them, what are you looking for from us working together? What's the result that you want, the outcome that you're hoping that we will create together? But when you hear the answer to that, you need to make sure that you understand and that you've asked them, what is that worth to you? What's it worth if you achieve it? What's it worth if you go beyond it? And what's the impact if you don't achieve it at all? Okay, so really make sure that you can dig into what does return on investment look like for them? And I just want to make the point that even though I call it return on investment, it doesn't have to be a financial return. It doesn't have to be a financial reward. Return on investment could be based on happiness. It could be based on weight loss. It could be based on 
overcoming some mindset issues, overcoming some previous trauma. It could be based on moving forward in a new relationship, going after your life partner. There's so many, you know, different forms of coaching. Whatever type of coach you are, think about what does return on investment look like for your ideal client? Yeah. If you're a health coach, it might be increased health. You can't put a price on that. There's no way that you can put a price on that. But when they come back to you in the sales call and say, I can't afford it, in your mind as a health coach, you're thinking, you can't afford to be healthy? Like, really? Surely that's the biggest priority that we've all got. You know, you can't afford to overcome trauma. Why on earth not? So it's very often, it's not about what they can and can't afford. Very often, it's about, have you driven the desire to such a degree, to such a level that it just becomes an absolute no brainer that they have to move forward. And driving that desire doesn't come from necessarily asking questions about money and return on investment. Driving desire comes from talking about what does the result look like? How's it going to feel? How's it going to feel when you get there? How's it going to feel when you lose that weight? How's it going to feel when you've shaken off years of trauma, years of symptomatic effects of feeling the way that you have felt, the weight around your neck? How's that going to feel for you? So by driving desire and asking questions about feelings, you're in the long run helping yourself to overcome the objections that will happen around money. So value and desire needs to be discussed throughout the entire sales call. So what I would invite you to do now, if you've got a notepad and a pen close by, start to make some notes around what is the value that you bring? What what does that mean to somebody? Not just when they get to the end of the program. I mean, let's say you're selling a 12-week group coaching program with a very clear, tangible result of XYZ, whatever that is. The result of working with you doesn't just finish at week 12 of the program. What about the impact on the rest of their life? What about the impact in week 13, week 14, year two, year three? When we learn things, when we up level, when we develop ourselves, when we go, you know, internally and we really look to take ourselves to another level, the impacts of that are felt for a lifetime, not just for the period of the coaching program. So what I would encourage you to do is start to make some notes around what is the lifetime value that you offer to your clients for the work that you do? How can you create conversations around that lifetime value to your ideal client? And do you feel comfortable to bring that into your sales call? Because if you can bring that into your sales call, You'll drive up the desire, you'll drive up the value perception, and you'll drive down the risk of you getting an objection. Okay. And we, we always, don't we, we want to mitigate or avoid completely getting the sales objection. Okay. So I really hope that this is useful, guys. I've got a few more things I want to share with you. This is a topic I could speak on for hours because it's fascinating. Sales is about psychology. It's really about empowerment and helping somebody to make a decision. So I find this stuff so, so fascinating. Um, right. What else have I got for you? So there's another, another common objection, which is the one that I call apathy, the kind of the shrug of the shoulder of, well, I'm not really sure it's the right time for me. And yeah, well, I want to do it. And 
oh, I'm just not sure. You know, that kind of, it feels frustrating, doesn't it? To see somebody sat on the fence, to see somebody that you thought really wanted it, and then they kind of won't quite back themselves. Now, what I would encourage you to do, rather than just let them leave the call saying that, you know, they need to go off and think about it, you need to probe a little bit deeper. You need to be the coach because by being the coach and holding the mirror up for them, you can help them to make a decision. Now, when I say help them to make, don't confuse that with pressure. I teach the most unpressurized version of sales that it is possible to use, I think. I teach sales in a way that it's all about the customer saying yes, not you asking them to say yes. Okay. So, if they're doing that shruggy thing, oh, it's not the right time for me. But earlier on in the call, they were explaining to you how excited they were to achieve the result that they're looking for. And they gave you a deadline and they talked about what the long-term effect of achieving that would be for them, what that would mean to them and their family and their life and all those things. And then they're kind of sort of retreating back into themselves and thinking, oh, I'm not really sure What's likely going on there is that they don't trust themselves. They haven't got enough self-belief in themselves to move forward. And you as the coach need to take it upon yourself to say, look, I'm really up for this. I can see that earlier on in this call, I could see that you were so excited and I feel really excited and confident that I can help you. Now, obviously, you've got to be able to believe that. You know, you, you've you got to sit in your own integrity for this. If you genuinely believe that you can really help this person, then tell them that. Tell them that. You want the result of X. I'm confident I can deliver X for you. Earlier on in the call, you were really excited. Now you don't seem so excited. What's really going on for you? talk me through what's what's happening in your mind right now like what are the reasons why you're thinking it's for you and what are the reasons why you're thinking it's not for you and usually they'll say well there aren't any reasons you know there aren't any reasons why it's not for me it's just that i'm afraid to move forward and then you might want to ask something like what would it take for you to feel 100% committed because if you want it and I want it for you and I'm convinced I can help you get there, what is it that's going to help you to make that decision? And encourage them to be open and honest with you. Like I said at the beginning, sales is a coaching conversation and you need to coach them to make the decision for themselves. Okay. One of the questions I will ask at the end of a personal breakthrough call, which is what we call our discovery calls, um, is how do you feel about working with me? And please be able to be open and honest. You know, if you're not feeling it, I'd rather that you just say now. Um, So, you know, it's maybe a bit of a vulnerable question, but I at least want to know that I've had some feedback from them and that I understand exactly how they're feeling. I will also ask what would you like to happen next? Rather than say, you know, that awkward sales close type question of, would you like to go ahead? Or would you like to join the program? Would you like to buy my one-to-one? I won't ask that. I will ask a more permission-based question of what would you like to happen next? Because what I really want them to say is, 
Rachel, I can't wait to work with you. How do I join? When do I join? You know, what does the onboarding look like? Get me in the group coaching program. Because, you know, that feels better for them. It also feels better for me. So think about those questions. You know, how do you feel about working with me? And what would you like to happen next? That's a much more soft style close than some of the more obvious sales closes that you will hear. Another question that usually gets, you know, like a really good vibe going between us is on a scale of one to 10, how hard will you work if you join my group coaching program? Because I only want ambitious women in my group coaching program. I only want to work with people that take complete ownership for the results that they achieve and are therefore going to show up to the sessions and do the work and empower all the other incredible women in the group. So, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how committed are you? Um, that's a great way to, uh, you know, keep things lighthearted because usually you can see the look in somebody's eyes. When you say on a scale of one to 10, how committed are you? The right fit clients will say 11, Rachel. I am an 11. Get me in. I am so ready for this. So, uh, you know, could you ask that question maybe on a scale of one to 10, how committed do you feel to this? So listen, I hope that this episode has been um, really good for you. I hope that you've taken away some valuable insights into how you can not just overcome sales objections and what questions you can ask to understand the objection more, but how you can avoid getting the objection in the first place, because that has got to be the holy grail. You know, that has got to be the best place for you to aim for. To not get the objection in the first place is much more comfortable for you and for your ideal client. Okay. So what I want you to remember is that if you hear sales objections on your discovery calls, remember that is not a sign of rejection. It doesn't mean they don't like you. It doesn't mean they think your program's rubbish. Sometimes a sales objection is just a request for more information. It's just a sign that they want to understand more about you, more about the program. And it's often a sign that they just don't feel ready to trust or safe to move forward. So if you believe that you need to build trust in a deeper way or create more psychological safety, then that is what you must create on your sales call. It's not just about asking questions and having a to and fro conversation. Think about those much more deep feelings that your ideal client needs to have. Do they trust you? How can you test that? How can you understand that? Well, you can be vulnerable and you can just ask them, how do you feel about working with me? Do they feel safe? You know, you you might not want to necessarily ask them that. That sounds like a strange question, but actually they need to feel safe. They need to feel safe in the knowledge that they're making a good decision. They need to feel safe that they're with you, somebody that they trust. They need to feel safe that they're not going to waste money or time. They need to feel safe to say yes, knowing that you've helped other people with exactly the same result that they're looking for. And of course, you can do this by sharing testimonials and case studies and telling them stories about other people with a very similar issue, problem, challenge that you've helped to overcome and get to the exact point that they are aiming to get to. You can give them that absolute reassurance. So I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. I really do hope that you've made some notes 
And I kind of hope that you've got some sales calls in your diary this week where you can try out some of these new tips, that some of these new strategies that you might not have heard before. You can actually try them out in your sales calls. What I want you to remember is as you go into your sales call, you're either needing to give them a huge reason to say yes or take away all the reasons why they'll say no. So good luck with those sales calls. As ever, please do get in touch with me. You know, I think by now my favorite channel is Instagram. So if you do want to reach out in the DMs, I'd love you to do that. I'd love to hear how you enjoyed this episode and more importantly, how those sales calls go. So that's it for today. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. If growing your business is a big priority right now and you'd like to get my feedback on how you could move forward with bigger and faster success, then take part in my free personal assessment. It's called Next Best Opportunity and I get back to you within three days of you answering 20 questions about your business and goals and I give you my tailored feedback. If that sounds like something that you would like to do, then just click the link below in the show notes or head over to my Instagram and have a chat with me in the DMs over there. 